Okay, what are we calling this podcast? You don't know. We don't really know what we're calling it. I mean, call it the old head, the old head single ply podcast. <laughs> what do you think? Equipped Excellence podcast. I mean, single ply. Till I die. Nah. Because I'm a rock cuck. <laughs> <laughs> we should call it Spicy PL podcast. <laughs> yeah, that would really, really mess with people if we, if we name it Spicy PL podcast. All right, so Spicy Powerlifting podcast, no association with Spicy PL yeah. memes. No, none at all. <laughs> all right, well. No association whatsoever. <laughs> Is that our official introduction? Yeah, I guess this is episode one of Spicy PL podcast. Yeah, this is uh, Joe Capolino. Been uh, spicy powerlifting for a while. That's all you need to know. Peachy? Yeah, this is I'm Jim Peachy Marcotte. Peachy boy. A lot of people don't even know my first name is Jim, <laughs> but Peachy boy. We're not calling you Jim. <clears throat> I'm Babel. Powerlifting, bodybuilding, for a while. At Big Louie, aka the production guy. Yeah, this whole podcast is sponsored and supplied by Audio Spectrum, Visual Spectrum. Check them out at USAPL, Raw Nats, The Arnold, all the big meets where there are jumbo screens. Yeah, he's the guy <laughs> He's the guy behind the crazy jumbo screens at The Arnold that you're seeing and that Nats. When you don't opt out of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah when you don't opt out of right, the keyword. All right, Babel, what's the, uh, what's the first topic? Oh, so basically this podcast is it's for entertainment and... I don't know if you get anything out of it, that's great too, but we're just basically good friends and we've known each other for over a decade and we're just talking shit basically. So Talking shit. Yep. So that, I think I think the big thing right now is we've seen a lot of social media ruhaha ruhaha <laughs> about the most hated man in powerlifting. But he's a good man. Steve man. Steve man. His Steve name man. is Steve Man. So it started out with first of all, he's the meet director for collegiates this year, right? USAPL Collegiate Nationals, yep. And the big thing was, he uh, he he started a coaching a coaching pass rule, mm-hmm. where he's charging per per lifter per session per session per session. Per yeah. session. It was charging twenty dollars <laughs> per coach per session, um, and you know a lot of reasons that's not normal at a collegiate nationals is because like a team brings maybe a team of 40 athletes might have two to four coaches with them and they're there throughout the whole day so for the same coach to pay for eight sessions over a weekend is just you know a lot of money so people were freaking out over that and there were other situations where you know maybe it was one coach coaching one kid who didn't have a team and that person's got to pay twenty dollars for his coach or his or her coach. So it just seemed like it was probably the highest rate ever yeah. uh, advertised <clears throat> for coaching passes. Yeah. Well, Collegiate Nationals has been more and more popular, right? Especially now that there's a lot more raw. So there's a lot of stuff going on backstage. Yeah. It's, it's been more of a zoo. So I think probably his intention was to make it less of a zoo with a million coaches running around. I mean, Collegiates is always hectic. Yeah. So a lot of the time, like I know when we did Collegiates, that 
you know, your training partners, your teammates, whatever, would help you in the warm-up room. You didn't even necessarily interact with your coach that much. Yeah. So now everybody's got a coach. These days, everybody yeah. has a coach. Yeah, and since yeah. 2016, since we uh, Collegius has offered a raw division, it's been bigger, more athletes. It always was a big meet, um, 400 lifters all equipped before 2016, usually on average, and now it's, you know, 800, 1,000 lifters, um, split probably 60, 40 raw. Um, but yeah, you know, those, these coaching rules, it's usually only affects like the lightweight lifters because as the weekend goes on, the rules get more and more lax and the entire team is always in the warm room helping each other. So there's always good intentions behind it, but the warm room always turns into a zoo. Yeah. I mean, that's one perspective. Other people have the perspective that Steve is being greedy. Yeah, that it's a money grab. Money sure. grab. Yeah. And, you know, I saw all sorts of Instagram stories calling him out that he's so heinous and you know, he opted out. He wasn't even opted in for the jumbo screens. He doesn't have all these expenses. <laughs> yeah. He's just trying to grab money. I mean, there's a lot of background to that. So a few years ago, every big national meet was run by a, like an individual meet director. And all these meet directors around the country were kind of like their own business, their own silo for these meets. So they were bidding on these meets to try and make money. Uh, a few, maybe like three years ago, USAPL took over the production of most meat yeah. two years ago. And, and that's when Luis really started helping out with the Arnold three years ago now because um, the USAPL kind of centralized most national meats. So a lot of these guys like Steve Mann and other meat directors, we all know, but we don't need to go through them. They lost the opportunity to make that money in like individually because there weren't as many meets to bid on. The only meets left for those guys to bid on are high school nationals and collegiate nationals. So some people think that, you know, this people get collegiates or high schools, it's their opportunity to make money. So that played into it a bit. I, I mean, think. you got to look at it from a business standpoint. Um, you know, they, these guys are spending a lot of their time to put together this meet. I mean, they're trying to put together a good meet, but they're also trying to get paid for their time, as they should. You know, there's 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 a lot of work that goes in in the after hours. So you can't you can't fault somebody for trying to make a living and put together a good meet, and it doesn't come from nothing. So I mean, yeah, sure, the, the coaching price was a little high, but though that extra money helps him allocate more of his time towards the meet and make a better production, and then also get something out of it so that people can keep doing this. I mean, I think that if uh, you give each team that submits a you know a team scoring roster if you let that team have a coach and you give that coach a coach's pass i think that's a pretty good compromise like you know some of these guys who are going individual they're going to need to only pay one time for their coach and that's basically it anyway but it's more of an issue for you know big schools like uh nupl or like you know texas tech or la tech whatever they're going to have a huge team so their coach should probably get a coach's pass for the weekend. That, yeah, included with all the team entries. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the end, he, he changed his ruling on that, right? He, he, I'm he not gave, sure. I think he, yeah. gave, he gave in. I think he changed. I think he changed. Well, that. in the end, it didn't really matter. In the end, it never happened. This meet may or may not happen. We don't know right now. It's up, it's up in the air. So, like, like at all events, you know, Steve's meet fell into a time period where, you know, it wasn't able to happen because of COVID-19. Um, and that has started, you know, it's funny because the drama came in waves. First, he was the most hated man in powerlifting for the um, coaches' passes. And then as the meet, it came evident that the meet wouldn't be able to happen, at least at the scheduled time or not at all. Um, you know, people started demanding refunds and that kind of 
started another fire for him and uh, it got crazy. So he became the most hated man again. (laughs) First of all, I mean, as long as I've been powerlifting, all meets have been, you know, no refund, right? Yeah. You sign that paper and whether it's electronically now or on paper and you never are able to get a refund no matter what. Entry fees were never this high, but they weren't that much less, right? Mm -hmm. It's, It's a decent chunk of money, but I mean, think about how much money this guy had to invest to get this meat going, all the metals, the racks, the plates. Now, with everyone trying to pull out and cancel, which is what the whole drama's about, this guy's in the hole. He's he's in a lot of trouble. You know, reportedly he stated he spent most of the entry fee money. I, I, I feel like it's been numbers quoted like $70,000 on brand new Alico racks, plates, and bars, which is pretty standard for a meet this big. Yeah. Last year, Collegiates, the meet director, <coughs> bought probably... I don't know, between 8 and 12 brand new sets yeah. um, just for the meat. A set of weights is... I mean, those set with weights, those are five grand each, you know? And oh, easy. Easy, easy. yeah, easy. easy. With the, and you got to pay the shipping, too. Yeah, and you can't just return that stuff. There's restocking fees, there's shipping. You can't send them Yeah, so, so theoretically, if he was to refund everybody and cancel <laughs> the meat, he would have to dig into his own pocket, which there's nobody that says... Uh, you know, there's no way to know if Steve Mann has 70 grand lying around of his own personal money to give out. Um, you know, so it, it's it's yeah. theoretically, I don't see how it'd be possible to refund all the lifters. Yeah. But you know, I think it might have been mishandled as well. Well, let's let's go over what exactly happened, right? Yeah. So he said there's no refunds, basically, and people started canceling their PayPal payments through PayPal. And he basically said, if you cancel through PayPal, I'm going ban- to ban you from the USAPL. And we don't know what authority that was under, but I think that was probably a mistake on his part in the way he handled it. But we know him, and we know he's a good guy, but I think he probably panicked because he has so much money in the hole, and it's basically like, you guys can't cancel. It's not, you know, it says it, no cancel, like, don't cancel. And everybody started canceling. Yeah. Steve Mann is a good man. That's He's a good what, man. That's kind of been our inside joke. But, uh, you know, my first ever USAPL meet in 2008, um, I drove down to something called, like, Collegiate Regionals uh, or Northeast Collegiate Regionals, and it was in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and Steve Mann was the meet director. I obviously showed up with the wrong belt, no deadlift socks, the wrong underwear, you know, everything wrong. I didn't know the rules. Um, Steve Mann took me aside, helped me out, told me where to go, get some socks and underwear, uh, helped me cut some padding out of my bodybuilding belt. Um, <laughs> you know, explain the rules thoroughly enough for me to get a total in equipment. My first meet was in single ply equipment, so imagine that. Um, no coaching, uh, you know, present. Um, and he's been a friend of mine ever since. Lifted on multiple open world teams with him. He's just like all around great guy. Um, he's run a lot of meets. They've I've won best lifter in 2011, the last time he ran collegiate nationals. Uh, it was a pretty good meet. He ran 2014 round nationals or 13. He ran the first super meet. It was like the first super meet where it was a thousand lifters yeah, and lifter everybody had a great time. If everybody remembers, everybody hated that Jesse Norris's squats got called high, but that has nothing to do with Steve Mann. As far as I know, it was a great meet and he kind of started the trend of the super meets. Um, 
So this is kind of the first time I've seen anybody talk badly about Steve Mann. One thing that I didn't really like about um, some of the arguments for why people should get refunds is that you take a calculated risk with respect to your investment as uh, a powerlifting meat director. And I don't think that, you know, COVID-19 is something that anybody could have reasonably thought was going to come into play, you know. So yeah. I think that people should realistically give him a little bit of leeway with the fact that there's no way anybody could have predicted that this was going to happen. Yeah. A lot of unprecedented things are happening in the business owners. People are losing their jobs. Um, people are losing more than their jobs. People are losing their lives. Um, and it's just crazy that college kids are going to, like, go to this extent to put somebody in a bad position financially um, over like a hundred bucks or whatever it is. I mean, and, and at the end of the day, if I was a competitor, the way my mentality works, if the meets being rescheduled, I would let them keep my entry fee and I would try to win collegiate nationals whenever it is there, you know, you still have that opportunity. Um, it might not line up with the training cycle you bought online, but like, you'll figure it out. Um, if there's a national championship to, to be won, whether it's in April or November, I feel like you should probably just commit care. to it. I don't care if it's next yeah. year. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'd do anything to go back to another yeah. collegiate. Exactly. You got more I mean, time to train. It's better. If I was a senior, I'd be trying to figure out a loophole to how I can compete. I really feel bad for the yeah. seniors and not only collegiate nationals. See, all the, the NCAA tournament was canceled. Uh, NCAA wrestling finals were canceled. Um, it's a terrible situation, but that's the thing. There's so much going on. How we hyper-focused on getting a hundred bucks back from Steve Mann. Yeah. It's, it seems spiteful, yeah. honestly. But and yeah, these kids all think they are like experts in business because they took a business class. Like Steve Mann's probably run a hundred meets and he's never uh, planned to, hey, I'm going to lose $70,000 because uh, I want to do the right thing. Uh, by, by what I think he is going to do the right thing, people just need to give him a chance. Yeah, he's certainly going to do his best to reschedule the meet so that everybody can still do collegiate nationals for sure. Well, enough of Steve Mann being a good man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Thor. Let's talk, talk about the 501 yeah. attempt. Luis is horny for Thor drama. This yeah. thing. I mean, Eddie Hall did, this, did, did the 500 in a meet, and Thor's he's going to have this, this – uh, it's more of an exhibition than anything. I mean, it's not even an exhibition. It's at his gym. You know, calibrate the, the plates, whatever, you know – Check your bar. It's, yeah. it's in your gym. Gym lifts don't count. Yeah. I mean, this has got to yeah. be in a meet. It's going to be in competition. Hey, Lou, like, how many world records you've done in the gym? Probably tons oh, at I've, this point, I've, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the world record holder in, you know, the, in, in the bench and the 105s and the 93s. And <laughs> I, I, think, I think as competitive strength athletes, we know uh, gym lifts don't count. Because, gym. you know, there's some days you walk into your gym, you feel comfortable, um, you're gonna hit it's you're gonna hit a PR. There's no there's no limits there's on no time. Pressure. There's, there's no, no pressure. You just when you're ready you go up. Yeah, it's the equipment it. you're used to. It's I mean, your a lot. bar that you train with every day. Yeah. I mean, you gotta go you gotta travel somewhere, you gotta get in front of a crowd, you gotta you gotta have other competitors in the meet. You yeah. Know? I mean with with other competitors <laughs> in the meet, like, you know, for instance in a powerlifting meet Somebody goes, and you have a time limit of one, one minute to get to the platform and lift. Then the next guy goes, and the next guy goes. And then when it's your turn, you go. But Thor's just going to be sitting around, you know, and then he's going to pull it whenever he wants. I mean, don't get me wrong. The guy's, the guy's obviously one of the strongest people ever walk the world. 
Yeah. But, I mean, I mean yeah, he can pull five of one in his gym. It's great. I mean, it'll be cool. Yeah, it'll be, be awesome. On, it's going to be on ESPN. Good for him. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a feat of strength. That's incredible. It's but, good exposure but, for Strong Man. I got a real... That's not the world record. I got yeah. a real bone to pick with ESPN when they, uh, you know, they don't... When when an NFL player tests positive for steroids, they're dragged through the mud. They shouldn't be. I don't think ESPN should be giving exposure to untested sports. Um, you know, there's Olympic sports that are tested, Olympic weightlifters. There's tested powerlifting. I think strongman should be the last on the list. Let CBS keep that. You know, I, I think it's a little silly. You know, it was cool when they featured uh, Ray Williams in the top ten plays when he squatted a thousand in Atlanta and. 2016, yeah. but then they started featuring strong men yeah. doing deadlifts, and it just yeah. puts puts real numbers so far out of perspective yeah. for the general public, and it really puts natural strength athletes in a hole for you know the attention that you may deserve if you go to the Olympics or World Games or win a powerlifting world championship. Was it ESPN that reposted Jessica Butner's uh, deadlift? I think so too. I that was so. cool. That was cool. Yeah, that is cool. Well, ESPN also uh, held the WPO. Um, event yeah. on their live stream so i guess they really don't care about uh tested or untested strength sports yeah well i, I think they they need to come up with a more consistent message on it and the only reason they're going to stream this thor thing is because he's he's a famous strength athlete i think he's awesome i'm a huge fan of strongman but i think there's a time and proper time and place for everything and you know the reason he would put asses in the seats so to say is because he was on game of thrones and that's really the only, you know, Thor right now. He's also a freak. Is, yeah, he's a freak. But, <laughs> it's cool know, to watch a freak. He's a house. He's basically one. a household name. Yeah, he is. So. He's in Game of Thrones. He's in. We watched uh, what? Kick Fighter Retaliation with Mike Tyson oh, Mike and Tyson. Thor. <laughs> Thor's the bad guy. It's a great flick. <laughs> <laughs> that was corny, good. But it's cool seeing just this massive mongoloid beat somebody up. And, yeah, know, it's entertainment. I but. mean, I would have. I would have. You know. Done, done a couple more crunches if I was Thor and I knew I was getting featured in a film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His, his steroid belly was hanging down a little bit. A little, a little gut. Yeah, a little gut. A little gut. But, I, I mean, like, where where does Strongman go? I think Strongman's kind of a fractured type of... They, they have all sorts of different federations similar to bodybuilding. So if one specific group, company, is going to say this is a world record in Thor's garage, then... What's next after that? Like, can can Big Z do an overhead press world record in his barn? Like, can you know World Strongest Gay do a elephant bar deadlift at Lightning Fitness and call that a world record? Like, where do they go from there? So I, I, I really think they're opening a, a can of worms, and it's gonna yeah. Gonna I think mess you gotta. I you know, there's a lot of sports right now like that you can't set a world record right now because there are no competitions. You can't even compete. So uh, I think, you know, it's it's good that they're providing entertainment. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen, but I think there needs to be some definitive decision on it being not. I would like I, to say I mean, it you, not being counted well, as a world you, record. You, you can't even set a world record at the Arnold. That's anymore. what I was about to say. That's what I was about to say. If you I mean, can't set a world record at the Arnold, you should yeah. be. I mean, if I mean, the MC is on the platform. Forget about it. There are crazy <laughs> times. If Hathor, if Hathor wants to pull five hundred one, sell some rain energy drinks, show people on ESPN, yeah. get some exposure, that's fine. That's I'll, awesome. I'm going to watch it, yeah. but yeah. it shouldn't be counted. What Eddie Hall did um, was crazy to do it at Giants Live. Um, in front of 30,000 people or whatever, whatever was in that yeah. stadium um, with calibrated plates, the bar that everybody else used, 
lift yeah. in a lifting order. It was kind of tailored for him, though. I mean, like the jumps. I, I think there are predetermined jumps. And yeah, you Brian like, Shaw talked pick, about. That. Yeah, you can. Yeah. But I mean, whatever, weights, but still, whatever. it was in competition. I think it was had, that day. There's. But didn't Benedict Magnuson at least attempt? Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, he attempted yeah. like 501 or 502 right after him, right? He so did. like, yeah, like the. That's why you have to do it in a meet because yeah. if let's say Thor does five oh one or whatever, nobody else has the opportunity to, you know, do more yeah. than him for that for the same record bar, down that same day. day. Right. And for the same record, I think Hathor is gonna pull it because I saw I've seen oh, his training. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it actually it's funny because when Eddie before Eddie Hall did it, he posted a training video of him doing a like quote unquote speed pull with four hundred fifty kilograms, which is hundred ten pounds less than five hundred. So it's not really that close, and it didn't look great. And Brian Shaw actually, on his YouTube, said, "I don't think he's gonna get it. I just don't see the speed you need to have 50 more keys." And then Eddie did it, which was crazy. Yeah. And then see Hathor absolutely obliterating 455 for like a double or a triple. 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 I think yeah. he has a really <laughs> good shot to do it. We were talking yeah. a lot. We were talking a lot of trash because we were like, "Oh yeah, you know, Thor did the powerlifting meet last he, year. Yeah, he missed like 4:30 or yeah. something like that." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the straps so make the biggest. Difference. It was raw, right? Yeah, it yeah, no raw. suit. Yeah, it was yeah, raw. It was yeah. raw. Is he doing the the 500 keys raw or in like I briefs? Think or I think he's probably gonna wear a suit. suit. I think he's, he's gonna wear a suit. suit. But yeah, yeah, after we saw what was 450 for a triple, he posted recently, and it looked like he had five. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. You, I would bet. Yeah. I would bet. Money Why go for five hundred one? Why not go for five? That's what Eddie Hall was talking shit. He was like, "Why are you gonna go for five hundred one? Why don't you like you know really do like five hundred five or you know?" Maybe, go maybe he'll 501. go five hundred one, but then go again. Five hundred two. He half. should pull the five hundred one, yeah. make a spectacle of it, and then do a meet in a couple of months when things go back to normal and actually get the world record. Yeah, I mean that'll silence. That, that'll silence everybody. That's what a lot of other strength athletes are doing. I mean, they wait until World Championship to, to, to get the real world records against competitors yeah, with referees but on a real, in real competition. If I was Thor, I would do the 501, number one, because Eddie Hall is not going to be in any position to re-break it anytime soon since he's lost weight and quote yeah. like retired from strongman. Um, Bendik Magnuson is getting older. What about that know. Russian guy, the Vado? Va- yeah, Ivan Markinov, yeah. strong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Eddie Hall had something to say about him too. He did a meet basically in his backyard, the and the yeah. the attempts weren't timed. They gave him as much rest as he wanted, and he missed five hundred or five hundred one pretty bad. Yeah, I don't. Bad. I don't really think he's a factor. I honestly, think I think he it's doesn't seem shot. big. Like I think you have to be hundred ninety keys body weight or more to pull this off, and he's not. And you know, Half Thor and Eddie Hall are just giant men, and yeah. I just don't. I just think to hold 500 kilograms locked out, you have to have close to 200 kilos of body weight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, if I was Half Thor, I would do 501 because I don't think anybody else is close right now. Brian think, Shaw isn't close. If Benedict mm-hmm. was in his prime back when he was doing that, what did he do? 470. 460. Raw, 460 with no straps. Raw, with no no suit. straps. No suit and, and, a, and a bar that probably flexed a lot less than the stuff they're using. So I mean, well, I, I thought the I thought the bar that Eddie used was like a regular. Like, I thought it was a stiff bar, it? but I think it might no, be a deadlift. It could no have way. been in a. It looked like an Alico. It might have been the Alico deadlift bar, which isn't that flexy, but it's flexier than a twenty nine mil. It's twenty eight millimeters. So it's, so it's like, like pulling Texas with a bar. Texas power yeah, bar, but it's longer. Yeah. And the bar that half those uses is probably twenty feet long, like in a straight. No, it's not. It's I not mean. an elephant bar. <laughs> 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 well. I guess we, we kind of touched on the topic, but what 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 happened with the Arnold and and the IPF pulling all the world records out from under the rug? Like, does anybody? 
there was a lot of world I, records set at the I just Arnold. don't yeah. understand why they took the records yeah. away. We I had, we had, they had any... the right judges, right? There needs to be a certain specific type of judges there. They need to, you know, follow the drug testing protocols and everything. But which like, they definitely do at the Arnold. Which they do at the Arnold. So, I, I hear it was because the there's something about the announcer. There's some rule, and it wasn't on the IPF calendar listed events. And there's some other seem like bureaucratic like well there's it seems stupid there's weird history to this one too so since the arnold's inception it's been an napf meet north america north american powerlifting federation which you can set world records in all the regional powerlifting federations so napf epf which is european powerlifting federation there's asian federation oceanic or whatever oceanic Mm -hmm. so you can set world records at these regional meets which typically you have a different judge from a different country in each chair in that region well, you didn't even have to do that back in the day. That was another well, stipulation they I mean, put so in a couple the, the of years ago. The history is specific to the Arnold as last year, the USAPL and IPF were at odds over drug testing procedures, so the Arnold was uh, only a national meet. It didn't get an NAPF sanction because it wasn't allowed to because last year there was testing pr- protocols were under question. The amount of drug tests we do here with non-WADA versus the amount of drug tests that are WADA in IPF. So last year was the first time you couldn't set world records at the Arnold. That ended, and apparently this year is going back to normal. So again, it was an NAPF meet, North American Powerlifting Federation. So you should be able to set it. So it's weird they went back on it. I think they should have just kept it. No world records at the Arnold. I also think there are specific lifters they dislike. And honestly, since this is a podcast talk shit, it probably has a lot to do with Blaine. 100%. I mean, 515, they. I, I'm pretty sure that. It was because of that that crazy meet Blaine had that they did that three. Well, the let's say, I think all of us rule. here we we're personally friends with Blaine. We talk to him, we see him. I've competed against Blaine for twelve years, and you know I've gotten my fair share of ass whoopings from Blaine. Right? He's just <laughs> yeah. the strongest powerlifter walking around. I mean, he's been that way for a long time. The, sh- the shit he does is incredible. Do I think it's coincidence that all three five hundred kilo squats to ever happen have happened at the Arnold? No, I don't. I think people get Arnold fever. The judging isn't as tight as IPF Worlds. Um, and Blaine's taking those opportunities to always do something crazy and entertain people and push the limits of the Arnold, which is cool. But that being said, also in Dubai last year, he did 490 or 495. 495. Yeah. With the strictest Cle- judging clean ever. Clean as a whistle. And it was clean. So I don't think there's any... I'm not saying that to undercut what Blaine did because I think he can do it anywhere. But I think that the IPF has a problem with, you know, the only 1,000-pound bench ever done, single ply, was at the Arnold. The, the only wow. three 1,100-pound squats ever done were at the Arnold. Um, there's always a lot of world <clears throat> records set at the Arnold. Yeah, all the rays. Yeah. The, lifters get, the lifters get onto another level because of the, the live viewership yeah, they there. They have sick panels there. Oh, yeah. Video panels. I mean, the, everybody's hyped The production up. quality is just outstanding. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. Dubai was sick, but the Arnold is, you know. Yeah. I think it just screens, gets people hyped up. I mean, even, even at, like last year when it was out in the expo, um, I mean, that is truly incredible the to energies. go out there and see everybody yeah, cool. watching you. You know, There'll be some but, adrenaline when Arnold's but, watching. No, for sure. Yeah, it does seem the judging is a little. Maybe maybe the judging is subject to the height. The judging you know, is a little. Maybe it's not intentional, but just like how you know the home team has a better advantage of winning because the crowd, the referees, might yeah, be a little and bit the more travel to give. The travel you know, is better for us. Light. The travel is better for Americans. You know, you go to Columbus yeah. and you get a chance to set world records, but so do all the European lifters. They do Europeans every May. 
and they're a world record set and you might not have you might only have to drive a couple hours if you're you know depending on what european country you're coming from you know personally my highest total ever is at the arnold and i thought the judging was a bit lax that day that i did 1170 so I, i'm not calling out anybody specifically but i think the ipf and they should have let these world records stand and if they have a problem with it they should plan for the future and you know, make cut and dry black and white rules about what is and what isn't a world record or what events you can set to do it kind of posthumously is kind of bullshit. So yeah. I feel bad for those set. I coached a lifter there, Kat Kasabuski. She set some M1 world records. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot count. of world records that were Natalie Hansen's bench. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Jake Amendola. Jake Amendola's bench. That's clean. I mean, that, that, yeah. that, that goes down anywhere. I mean, yeah. Bland's squat. The five fifteen. It, I think it was good. It, it looked, looked it looked great. I think to it me. was it good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looked good. I mean, it all, looked good. Yeah. yeah. The three of us were there. Peachy was watching. Right? Yeah, I was watching. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Peachy knows. There yeah. weren't that many people. I mean, this year, believe me, I'm I'm willing to call people out on lifts that aren't clean. I mean, just ask Luis. I'll tell yeah. him that every one of his every lifts day. is garbage. <laughs> you know. But I, I thought it looked I thought it looked great. Yeah. You know. I've even you know protested some lifts at national events. And got them overturned. You know, if, if oh, I was yeah. at the Arnold, I was not protesting that squat. We've protested thousand pound squats before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It sucks. But what what can you do? Um, I actually talked to Blaine the other day, and I just said, you know, you're gonna have to do it again somewhere else. Yeah, that's the thing. He has the right mentality. Do it once, so. just do it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like half floor. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you can do it in your door. garage. Do it in your garage. <laughs> do it in your basement. Do it in your gym, and then go to a meet and do it. You know what I mean? Do the yeah. worlds. Do yeah. it again. Hundred percent. Well, how about the GL points versus the uh, and taking oh, off the IPF high. points? Yeah, that's, that's, that's another, another a good one. one to Let's end talk on. about yeah, this. Yeah, this is really. another one. We have Peach here specifically because he's a mathematician. He's studied all the formulas a bit. Um, so I don't know, Peach. Why don't you why don't yeah, you introduce yeah. what happened, yeah. what's kind of been going on in your mind, you know, with IPF points, dots, GL points, and then talk about which ones you think are best. Okay, so IPF points was um, basically a formula by Joe Mark Steiner where he compiled tons and tons and tons and tons of information about lifts that were done for lots of years, and. Uh, he didn't really decide to cut any of that data out for any reason. So he would take somebody's first meet, and that would be part of the data, and he would take somebody's 100th meet, and that would be part of the data. Mm-hmm. So he took basically the entire population of anybody who's ever done a powerlifting meet. And um, I think that we all know as lifters, especially getting lifters uh, to qualify for collegiates, sometimes, especially if you're like doing an equipped meet, just to get the kids qualified. So like maybe... You know, it's like their first year in equipment, and you might put them in a squat suit and knee wraps. They're not going to bench in a bench short or a deadlift in a deadlift suit. Just, you know, get them in there in wraps, maybe a loose squat suit, get the total, and that's it. So counting that total towards, like, strength athlete's potential doesn't make sense. You're making your bell curve off of data that might not necessarily There's reflect. way too much right. data. There's a right. lot of useless data in that yeah. pool. Like, like imagine, imagine like you do your first powerlifting meet and you go like three for nine because you missed all your commands. You know, that's not a true test of like what you were, you know, capable of on that day. So um, I think that was kind of the biggest problem with that formula. I think everything else was, you know, fine. You know, um, but I think that that was a big problem with the formula, and that's why you saw a lot of discrepancies. 
um, so with that formula is based on they make a bell curve with all that data, and then your points are based on how far standard deviation wise you are from you know yeah from the mean from, from the, the mean, mean. Mm -hmm. yeah and, and Peach I know it's a different formula but like explain how that differs from you know the basis of this whole conversation which is Wilkes. Yeah, so so Wilkes Wilkes is a uh, everybody's probably familiar with a linear approximation. So if you have a bunch of data and you plot it on an x y plane, you, um, one way to get a feel for how that data is correlating is by drawing a line that best will best fit, fit ev all the data. So if you want to make that approximation better, you just use uh, polynomials with higher degree. So you might try a parabola, then you might try a cubic, then you might try a degree four, then you might try a degree five, until that polynomial seems to be fitting the data really well. And then, so Wilkes ended up using a degree five polynomial. Okay. okay. So, but, but didn't Wilkes, I mean, my question really was, didn't Wilkes cut the cut the data somewhere so he that did, it would yeah. be He used accurate. world records right. as his basis. Or, or like, no, I thought top, it was top 20. It was top 20 at Worlds 20. over five years, I believe. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. And the data so, was just old, right? Yeah, it was just it's old. old data. So, so yeah, more or less, so more or less for everybody. I'm saying that seems like the main difference to me, the IPF points to Wilkes. Mm -hmm. I, like yeah. right now, just comparing the two is Robert Wilkes used data that was probably more accurate because it had a cutoff and got all those little inconsistencies pushed out whereas IPF points took all this stuff where used lifters are Jumped doing in. half raw meats or people are bombing out on commands or whatever and that's right. all in the data right yeah yeah whereas both both GL and DOTS uh, dots I'll just call it dots from now on um, use data that is uh, of higher level lifters as well as I understand it so I read both of the papers recently and um, that was kind of a major criticism they had for IPF points um, so they both took a similar sample, DOTS and uh, GL points, and DOTS is a degree five polynomial approximation as well. And um, uh, so that's similar to Wilkes. Similar yeah. to Wilkes. So DOTS is very but similar with more to Wilkes. updated. Data. Correct. Yeah, yeah more like or less. Updated Wilkes, but without using Wilkes's name. Right. And actually, I I follow CPT Timmy. Uh, you know, that's uh, what I know him as at CPT Timmy on Instagram. He's the inventor of the DOTS system, and he actually had conversations with Robert Wilkes, um, basically told him how he uh, invented the dots formula, and then Robert Wilkes came out with Wilkes 2, <laughs> <laughs> which is just dots, because, you know, like Pete just saying, they're both degree five polynomials. Polynomials. They both use a data set that cuts off at a certain point. Um, and so I think those scores basically ended up being the same. And the only people really using Wilkes too, or uh, you know, some people may or may not know, but Robert Wilkes, after he got kicked out of the IPF, just kind of started his own thing called World Powerlifting, and there's it's just basically Australian people. Um, not to hate on them, but you know, if you see Wilkes too, it's yeah. that <laughs> it's dots. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was funny. So GL points is um, the people who invented GL points. What they did is they set up an equation. So at the end of the day, when you're looking at these. Um, at these different models of who's stronger than who. Basically, where you're looking for is how does gaining or losing body weight affect your overall strength? So how are you going to compare someone who weighs 100 keys versus somebody who weighs 140 keys? Okay. So what they did is they said, okay, we're going to set up a differential equation where the change in your powerlifting total over the change in your body weight, which is basically what we're looking for out of these formulas. And that's going to be equal to the amount of absolute strength that you're going to gain by gaining body weight 
minus the relative strength that you're going to lose from gaining body weight. So basically what that means is, is let's say you go from weighing 100 keys to 120 keys. Your bench might go from, you know, uh, 200 keys to 220 keys, okay? So your absolute strength went up, but your relative strength went down. So, like, think of that as times body weight, okay? So an easy one for everybody to, you know, think about is if you have somebody who weighs 145 pounds, they're probably going to be capable of doing a four times body weight deadlift, which would be what? Um, 600 pounds. Right, roughly 600 pounds. Whereas if you had somebody who weighs 400 pounds, no one's doing a 1,600 pound deadlift. Okay, so that's relative strength. So not even half the one. Yeah. Right. Nope, not even half. <laughs> so so the differential equation is change in powerlifting total over change in weight is equal to the absolute strength that you're going to gain minus the relative strength that you lose, and a solution to that differential equation is an exponential um, equation a minus b e to the minus c x. Okay, so that's a different kind of function that they're using to approximate the data. Okay. Um, in my mind, it's probably a little bit more realistic of a function to use because a best fit line or a best fit polynomial is like definitely good for fitting data. But um, these types of like logistic maps and stuff like that are like heavily used in biological fields to model things that happen in the world. So I think it's probably a more reasonable model to use as a model and not just trying to fit an equation into data. So I think that it's probably a little bit better. What I looked on the... Um, on their paper with like their correlation of how well their formula is working. It seems like it's, you know, it measures some things better than D than dots and dots measured some things better than GL. So it leads me to believe that they're fairly comparable. So I think that, you know, IPF is justified in picking either one. You know, I don't think one's necessarily much better than the other. You know? Yeah, I think, I think dots people liked because it kind of related to old Wilk scores. IPF was like a whole new stratosphere of numbers, people doing 700, 800, you know, when back in the day, like a, a 500 raw Wilkes and a 600 equipped Wilkes was, you know, the Pretty standard crazy. for really good lifters. And now people are doing eight, 900, you know, there's Blaine Sumner, world record holder, he's doing 650. And then, you know, a raw 84 lifter does something that's really good, but they have 900. So why is there 250 points difference? It was hard to figure out. Dots, I feel like, got it back onto the scale that people were used to, to five to 600-point scores. Um, people were closer, and it was easier to decipher, you know, what was going on. And, and meets looked overall to be more competitive in the test scenarios that were posted. Um, GL points, I mean, Peach likes how, the math behind it, but it also resets the way you have to think about scores where um, – you know, I, I looked real quickly, like Bill Yi Sir Yi is the best um, <clears throat> equip lifter uh, ever. His performance at the 2017 World Games, his GL score was 117. Uh, Jesse Norris is whatever his last USAPL meet was. The um, Idaho Open. No, I think it was a Raw Nationals. Um, I think it was a Raw Nationals, too. I thought yeah. it was a local meet. Maybe. It was, it, was, it was a USAPL meet, and his score was 124. And his, his was really like an outlier. All the really good uh, classic lifters were around 117, 118. Um, there were other female equipped lifters along with Bill Yisergi who were about 117, like Larissa Soloviova, Kelsey McCarthy. Um, Savage. So shout, like, out, shout out Kelsey McCarthy. Kelsey. Yeah, shout out to Kelsey. <laughs> one Doc. of our training partners, our friend. But um, definitely one of the best lifters in the world. But uh, it definitely. seems like it's a good good scoring system, but it's 
it's going to change the way people think about scores. Like, hey, do you GL over 100? You know, personally, I saw mine was 103. Yeah. I'm a little depressed about that, yeah. but I don't really care I, about I, scores. I think the problem <laughs> we're all having here is that there's really, like, no sound way to compare different weight classes and different genders. I mean, it's all impressive, the top of each weight class, but, like, you can't tell me that, you know, I don't know, um, Taylor Atwood is that much better than Ray Williams. I mean, well, that's another thing. I, I mean, like G, the math behind GL points might be good, um, but Ray Williams is still very low ranked, and it's just like, how do you lift more exceptionally than that as a super heavyweight? Um, Get your bench up. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe Ray, Ray's everybody's distracted by thousand pound squats and eight fifty, eight eighty pulls, but he benches five hundred, and there are some. 93 kilo lifters like Jonathan Keiko who bench 500. So maybe if Ray benched 600, like some competitors do in his class and was really a three tool lifter, maybe his GL score would be 115, 117. I don't know. I'd like to see. And I'm sure one day there'll be someone who does all those things and will be yeah. blown away. It's the once in a generation people like Mark Henry and then Ray Williams or Blaine Sumner. Yeah, what's Blaine's? Or, Blaine's, Blaine's is fairly high. It's not as high as like Billy Yee. I feel his was around one ten. He was like, he like, was like top fifteen, I think. Yeah, top, maybe but top I mean, 10, he's close to totaling thirteen hundred kilos. Well, you have to understand too. They're using the total that uh, was from the last Worlds or whatever. If they use the total from the Arnold, it's probably like yeah. much better. So I know a lot of people were upset about IPF points favoring the middle. The middle. It was just there was a lot of data in the middle, and there's not yeah. enough data on the outside to use it. So, do we think yeah. the GL is a lot more fair? It seems like it's still gonna be a little bit tough on supers, and I think that yeah. I was actually telling Joe this. I think it's a result of the end behavior of functions. So, a fifth degree polynomial is an odd function. So, as um, basically as you go to infinity, um, the function also goes to infinity, but it goes at a very high rate because it's concave up as it goes mm -hmm. to infinity. So if you think of a parabola, mm -hmm. right, it goes up, like mm -hmm. really, really well. Mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, a um, the function uh, a minus b e to the minus x is more of like a think of more of like a square root function. How it kind of levels like, levels off. off. It's asymptotic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So it's kind of that's kind of like what's happening. I think is why the yeah. the supers are getting kind of in trouble with the formula. So I saw Heather Connors number one now with GL. I, I know, um, you know. With IPF, the lightweight people were also, also yeah. kind of negatively affected, but it seems like at least with GL, they're mm -hmm. probably corrected a little bit. Right. Yeah, and I mean, at the end uh, of the day, personally, I can say, you know, I'm a super heavyweight, and I don't, it doesn't really bother me much that my score is low. The only time I'm really worried about score, and when I was really worried about score, was going into World Games 2017. But at the end of the day, that class I was going against people that at least weighed 120 kilos so they didn't have a huge advantage against me I ended up losing on formula and probably rightfully so to uh, a 120 kilo lifter and I got second place which is ridiculous but everybody had to bomb out for that but what, <laughs> that being said I don't I think you know there's a lot of stuff on the internet about scores but Who's really worried about scores yeah. other than maybe five lifters in the world and then people competing at World Games or at cash meets? Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe in five years, if GL points sticks around, everybody 
now there'll be some normalcy with it and people will talk about gl scores like hey yeah. we used to talk like oh 600 wilkes is crazy or 500 yeah. raw wilkes maybe you know 110 or no 115 <laughs> <laughs> it's like three people doing that yeah. either way you know maybe you know people at national meets are talking hey i gl'd 100 and yeah. people give you a high five like and that would be cool i just wanted to go somewhere where there's a normal conversation about it and we can all have fun with it well there's one thing i know there's no G- there's no GL points in the jungle. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as a soup as a super, you know, we put asses in the seats. People come to see us either cra- come crashing down with a big weight or lift a big weight, and you know that's I've never done any other weight class. I never really had a choice, but I've always noticed there's extra attention being a super because we do dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, you Big trees the, fall hard. You go to the circus to watch the elephants. <laughs> exactly. So we'll take that. We'll take that. And, uh, you know, you guys can have your GL points. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> All right. You want to wrap this thing up so we can play some rummy? Yeah. Play some <laughs> poker, man. Poker. Yeah. Yeah, we got here. Right. Professional poker players about to take our money. <laughs> well... We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Hope it was entertaining, maybe a little bit insightful. Um, and, uh, you know, let us know what you guys think. And maybe we'll put up something for a Q&A or we can touch on some other topics. And uh, We uh, already have some topics for the next one. Yeah. We're definitely going to do a second episode. Um, right now, we made up the name at the beginning of the episode. So Spicy Powerlifting Podcast. Um, so you got to hit us up on Instagram if you have questions or feedbacks. At Big Louie. At Alexander Babel, at JL Marcotte, or at Big Joe Cap. So hit us up, and you know, if this thing takes off, we'll set up some official channels for QA and feedback and interaction. But for now, we're just trying to have a good time. This was episode one. All right, wash your hands, you filthy animals. <laughs> Stay home. Stay home. <laughs> I hope that recorded. Good that shit. Good. That was nice. Peachy was.